This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank, the International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and the Pledge Radio in Michigan. I am Joel Anansami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardoch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit Think Tank. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. Today, we are honored to have an extraordinary leader join us on America's Roundtable, Congressman David Brandt, who served the Commonwealth of Virginia's 7th District from 2014 to 2019. Dr. Brandt served on the House Budget Committee and is a member of the House Freedom Caucus. He led the charge in Congress for a more fiscally responsible budget process. Dr. Brandt is the Dean of the Liberty University School of of business in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, Dr. Brad also serves as the president of the Virginia Association of Economists and on the International Leaders Summit's Executive Advisory Board. Welcome, Dr. David Brad. It's great to have you on America's Roundtable. Welcome, Dr. Brad. Hey, Joel Natasha, and thanks to our friends in Michigan. I'm an old Michigander, so I love them all. Wonderful. It's truly great to have you back on America's Roundtable. Dr. Brad, over the past few weeks, mobs have vandalized known monuments, including the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., even Mahatma Gandhi statue in Washington, D.C., right across the Indian Embassy was destroyed. Uh, Reverend Martin Luther King actually admired Gandhi and embraced his policy of nonviolent protest against Britain. In Portland, we've heard that protesters took down the statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. In our free society where the rule of law is foundational, we find ourselves in a situation where we are witnessing mob rule, which is bent on fueling chaos in American cities and causing mayhem and destruction of public property and private property. Dr. David Brett, what are your thoughts when you see the images of mob vigilantes tearing down statues and destroying them? And what do you think is their goal or the end game that they seek? Yeah, well, great question. And uh, I think the first thing to note is that this uh, new mob thing is not spontaneous uh, and it, it, it's not just evolving regionally. It burst onto the scene globally. And that tells you there is a very significant amount of planning going on. And so next you say, well, who are the planners? And so you have to identify the philosophy behind this. And at first it appears it just is nihilism, uh, but it's not. And uh, when you go over the, uh, the statues that have been knocked over, it includes – uh, as you said, Gandhi. Well, what does Gandhi stand for? Gandhi stands for uh, peaceable protest, nonviolent resistance. He and Martin Luther King and Reinhold Niebuhr were all associated, uh, read each other, highly educated, and they fit into the broader scope of the Judeo-Christian West. And so then you begin to realize, okay, this is not nihilism. This is an attack on the Judeo-Christian West, which encompasses the rule of law, the police, the Constitution, the free market system, private property. And you ask yourself, well, who's against all of that? And the answer would be Karl Marx and the post-Marxists. And uh, Marx, of course, you know, set up the first uh, identity politics, uh, which involved the capitalist versus the worker. 
And Marx was a moral philosopher, uh, unfortunately not a very good one. But he was a good propagandist, and so he set it all up, and uh, none of that was uh, falsifiable, you know, in the words of Karl Popper or the philosophy of science. So he, he goes in the handbook of failed philosophies. But his legacy is still with us in the, in the hard left. And so the Black Lives Matter leaders, uh, three days ago, one of, the, one of the leaders, one of the first three leaders said, yes, we're all trained in, in Marxian thought. We're very uh, steeped in this ideology. So it's no longer theoretical. They say so on, on TV. And what does this mean? Well, this is a rejection of God, of any ethics. And for the naive Americans out there, and I used to be one, if you think the command of do not kill is universal in scope and ethics, you are wrong. Uh, there are people who have no God and no mm -hmm. ethics and no philosophy. And uh, the Marxian system is just that system. And so... Uh, that's why Americans are caught flat-footed. They cannot comprehend a system that includes evil in the system and a rejection of God and ethics. And so uh, that's where we're at. That's my analysis of what's going on, roughly speaking. And as you look at what's happening within the United States with our leadership, a great number of leaders on the center-right are apparently looking the other way or not actually standing up and saying things. So what is your message to those on the center-right, and uh, what sort of uh, actions should they be taking? Yeah, well, you're right. The only uh, huge name, I mean, not the only one, but the significant name is Tucker Carlson. has been a true saint uh, in the news and held his ground rationally. Uh, but yeah, the, the Republican uh, leadership in the House has been crickets. Uh, the, the leadership in the Senate has been crickets, absolute silence. They're all looking at November, and they're scared stiff of the suburbs, and they don't want to lose any seats. Uh, and this is just a continuing uh, logic from them. We'll just k give a little bit, okay? So it, it, there comes a time when you're going to give a little bit, and you just gave up the last bit of your country. And when you give up the First Amendment, as the New York Times shows, right, they just booted their opinion editor because the young people took over. Uh, and your First Amendment shot, and then the Second Amendment shot, and you got the left taking real estate in Seattle and the University of Chicago and Kentucky, they're taking real estate, and the conservative think tanks and politicians are saying, well, the left contradicted themselves rationally. Well, duh, we know that. They're also taking real estate, and they have no ethics. Did you miss the memo on Marx? And so, yeah, this is a time for action, not for reflection. We're way past that. Everybody knows what's going on now, and uh, President Trump is finally sending the right signal on, on real estate right in Lafayette Park in front of the White House. No more. And he's sending out further signals across the nation. But he needs uh, the Republicans who are hiding under their desks and the business leaders, by the way, who have all uh, been way too eager to put Democrats in some of these Republican seats. And, uh, hey, hey, business folks, how are the free markets working for you these days? Uh, how has your political wisdom been? Uh, when you give up freedom, how's your business going? Uh, and unfortunately, the answer is not so good. So it's time for some folks to grow backbone and uh, rejoin America. 
the good news on the economic front is that the worst economic shock is behind us, and the U.S. economy is showing signs of recovery. As we've seen mm-hmm. uh, last week, U.S. retail sales rose by record 18% in May. Stock mar- markets jumped on the news of the increased retail sales. 2.5 million jobs were added to payrolls in May, and May's unemployment rate dropped from 147 to 13.3%. However, the economic recovery is not even. And let us just briefly focus on Michigan. Uh, Based on John McCormick's article published in the Wall Street Journal this past week under the title, I quote, coronavirus job and death toll is widespread in Michigan. We are talking about a very deep hole. Unquote. According to this analysis, which combined the metrics of unemployment and death rate data from COVID-19, almost a quarter of Michigan's counties are among the top 20% nationally for both increase in unemployment from a year earlier and deaths per 1,000 residents linked to COVID-19. Michigan had the nation's third highest unemployment rate in May, 21.2%. Uh, Dave, what would your advice be to get Michigan's economy back on track faster? Yeah, well, at the national level, uh, it looks like we're going to get a little bit of a V-shaped recovery. We're having a good pop. Uh, back up in the short run, but the Federal Reserve, you know, they got $7 trillion on their balance sheet now, I think. And so in the long run, uh, all these states uh, are going to have to start behaving like Republicans. And of course, they never will. And so, you know, Michigan has had their chances. They've tried to do revivals and and get the free market spirit going, but uh, the blue part of the state has dominated the red part. And uh, hopefully Americans are going to learn here, right? I, I, I have some sense uh, that there could be a big turn politically coming up our way. Uh, th- this, this last bit of news over the past few weeks with the riots, et cetera, I think – uh, with Nancy Pelosi doing the theatrics, has shown everybody what the Democrats stand for. And so, you know, if you want identity politics and chaos and uh, and your kid to grow up poor, uh, you got your party. And so, you know, the the, the uh, council is is just obvious, right? You, you just got to get back to the rule of law, and you've got to incentivize work in, instead of leisure. And uh, there, there, the number one thing we can do, right, everybody's talking about inequality. Well, the, the high school wage rates were growing the fastest under Trump. Uh, the lower-income folks were growing faster than the rich for the first time in four decades. And if you really want to expand upon that, you got to get rid of the uh, monopoly in the public school system. Uh, the kids from all races and all backgrounds are all children of God, created in his image. We want what's best for every single one of these kids, and there's no upper bound. Every kid can be rich. So the fact that they don't know what cybersecurity is and they don't know what IT is and IS and computer science and all the in uh, skills that they'll make $100,000 because the public school doesn't even know what they are, uh, we're way behind, and that's the best way you can help these kids. Give them a future. Give them the skills. They'll get a job. If you, if you know cybersecurity at the end of high school, you'll get a job your first year out, period. So there's, there's your challenge. I remember that you mentioned, actually, you have a good program at Liberty University in cybersecurity, yeah. right? Yes, outstanding. We, and, and there's 500,000 open jobs in cyber in just the U.S. right now. Wow. That's incredible. In regard to free speech, uh, we've noticed uh, big tech censoring 
independent voices and there's been allegations of them shadow banning and in fact really disrupting the process of conservatives and independent voices getting their message out. And in fact, this past week in the Wall Street Journal, uh, President Trump is uh, recorded as saying there will never be an autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. as long as I'm your president. And he further states that if they try, they will be met with serious force. And later that day, it seems that Twitter added a notice saying that the tweet broke its rules against abusive behavior by threatening harm against against a certain group. And uh, apparently they just uh, are moving the limits of sharing and, and just disrupting the process. Now, we also have heard that Senator Josh Hawley basically has submitted a bill uh, that will allow Americans to sue big tech companies who act in bad faith by selectively censoring political speech and hiding content behind their competitors. And it's being done so to remove the Section 230 immunity. Dr. Brad, is this going to help or should there be even a stronger measure to weaken the dominant position of some of these big tech companies? And, and in fact, their monopoly in some of these key sectors in the tech arena. Yeah, well, that, that's right. Hawley is a hero, and Tom Cotton and Senator Cruz uh, came on after Twitter banned the president for for saying he was going to come out as you know as president against violence in our streets. So the idea that you're going to ban political leaders from ending crime in the streets. I think Cruz said, you know, this is beyond parody. I, you can't make it any funnier than, than Twitter trying to be serious. These are the first moves that we need to make, and then we'll see whether the, you know, the Democrats sign on to any of this. And I'm doubtful on that. But, you know, I think there's other linkages between Twitter and China. Some of that's starting to come out. And uh, ultimately, uh, we've just, America has failed economics 101, right? In order to have free markets, uh, Adam Smith and anyone with a brain knew you had to have competition. In order to have competition, you can't have monopolies. And in order not to have monopolies, you have to have antitrust laws in place and enforced. And so when they say, hey, you know, who, who has Microsoft uh, on your machine, you know, 20 years ago, every hand in Congress went up and they said, uh, that, sir, is a monopoly. Mm. All right, so it's kind of a joke. It's the same thing with Twitter and Facebook and these monopolies. They, 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 we need to define a max market power, you know, 15%, and then you go above that and we break you up. And instead, these firms are monopolies with 100% market power in their area, and then we're allowing them to buy other areas where they get a monopoly. <laughs> and uh, it's just expanding. You know, Amazon's another example. And they own the Washington Post. I can't imagine they're biased. And so the it's just endless, and the Republicans have forgotten their first principles. You can argue all this on principle without it being political, and we need to get back to basics. And when we talk about uh, market competition, uh, and there is another President Trump's victory uh, this week, which is not getting a deserved coverage, and that is a federal court upholding hospital price transparency. Uh, The American Hospital Association lost its legal bid to stop the Trump administration from requiring hospitals to disclose secret rates they negotiate with insurance companies. Now, Wherever we go in the market to buy anything, from grocery shopping to buying homes, we ask for the price first. What principle are these hospitals led by to dare hide their price of care, which is paid by us, us in two roles, as patients and as taxpayers? Well, that's an easy question. What principle? The principle is called crony capitalism. 
that is the principle they're withhold. Their, their principle is the principle that if you are rich and you're an industry that is huge, and there is no competition because it's all regulated under Obamacare, and you hire a lobbyist for a million dollars, and that lobbyist adds one of line, one line of code into the federal budget or health code that gets you a billion dollars. Any economist would say that's a highly rational move, and you should do more of it, not less. And so that is the principle that's at play. Until I can't believe you just mentioned this good news, right? So now there's some transparency law where at least people get to look at what the hospitals are doing, and it's the biggest racket there is, right? I mean, they're they're price gouging over in one area because they're taking losses that are also forced upon them uh, by the government. They don't want to have to admit that. They don't want to have to show people the price tags that you mentioned because uh, people would gasp. And most people just assume that it's fixed and there's there's no hope. And so this is good news. So, uh, you know, go, going into this election, health care is a, is a big deal. Uh, we promised to repeal Obamacare, and uh, we had the House and the Senate and the White House, and uh, our leadership failed. They did not put a bill forward that uh, would keep our promise, and uh, that was a disaster for momentum for the Republican Party back then. Uh, I mean, with this bill, actually, it requires hospitals to publicize their rates. Uh, they negotiate with individual insurers for all services, including drugs, supplies, facility fees, and care by doctors who work for the facility. It is scheduled to take effect in January 2021, and there's still uh, there's still a possibility of, a, of an appeal, so it's not a final decision. But this would, uh, I, I hope, and we hope that this will be recognized by American people, that this is something that should be done. I hope so. I'd, I'd put my money on the crony capitalists. But uh, my heart is with with uh, you and transparency. But uh, you can tell the best lobbyists in D.C. when we're going to repeal Obamacare. The health care lobby was so good, no one ever mentioned them on the news. That's very true. Right? That's when you know, That's when you know you have the best lobbyists possible. So for some reason, we didn't get rid of Obamacare. The Republican plan would have increased health care costs by 20 percent for the next year. That's not really free market, and it's not a good thing. And uh, you didn't hear a word about the lobbyists. Who? What What firm? What lobby? Uh, they own both sides, right? It's one-sixth of the economy, right? That's a lot of money. That's $3 trillion. And so... Uh, uh, my bet is, unfortunately, with the big guys uh, and not on the uh, the small business and the, the American. But I, I'm praying that someday uh, the good guys win. You have communicated through your leadership concerns about China. And uh, in fact, I remember us sitting in your office uh, at Lynchburg University and you sharing us some of the data and the information. In fact, Bill Gert's book, Deceiving the Sky, that you suggested. And uh, in a published report this past week uh, via U.S. News and World Report, uh, it seems that according to U.S. intelligence assessment, a senior Chinese general authorized his forces to attack Indian troops in the Galwan River Valley and resulting into a brutal skirmish that killed dozens of Indians and dramatically escalated tensions between the two Asian superpowers. Uh, we also have to recognize the fact that um, you know China's culpability and the COVID-19 cover-up when the Communist Party of China kept America and the world in the dark for over two months uh, is now um, 
basically exhibiting aggression in the South China Sea and is now targeting India on the border. Um, basically, from your experiences, uh, what should Americans do and be aware of, and, and what should American legislators now focus on in regard to a growing threat, and that is China? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad. The first thing people need to do is read read a few books. The one you just mentioned is great, Deceiving the Sky by Gertz. There's another one called Stealth War uh, by General uh, Spaulding, two-star China attache under Trump. And then there's another one written by the Chinese themselves called Unrestricted Warfare, 1999, by two colonels who are now generals. Uh, because they were present, and they uh, mentioned the uh, World Trade Towers in 1999. Hint, hint. So, uh, you ought to read those books to see what's coming. And so India has always been a good friend of the United States. But now with China ramping up the information war and the economic war and the cyber war against the world, right, and the uh, Belt and Road policy across all of Africa, going through all the key silk trading road routes back when, going through Turkey, et cetera, uh, the whole world is rebelling. The sub-Saharan African uh, leaders are rebelling. India is rebelling. Europe is rebelling. And uh, everyone's saying, uh, you know, the United States may not be perfect, but they are our friends. And so all the friends are coming back. Uh, and, you know, that. plus we got, you know, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Australia, et cetera. And so the good guys are all getting together, and everybody knows what China is up to. And so uh, it's serious business, right? Uh, China knocked one of their satellites out of the sky uh, about 10 years ago and sent a signal. There's now a giant trash heap going around the Earth, yes. by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, what does that mean? That mean They're sending a signal that they can take out uh, satellites, which means they can take away your banking system and your financial system tomorrow. And the GPS as well. Uh, and, and, yeah, and G right. And then GPS and anything you're relying on, right. And so that just that's one signal. Then they're now they're pinging India with over a billion people. I mean, the arrogance is is just incredible. But I think it's because Xi Jinping is in trouble. Everybody ought to also. There's a, a guy that's got independent data on China called the Beige Book, the China Beige Book. And uh, 18, they started started showing some economic weakness. By 19, uh, 2019 third quarter, the red lights are on, <clears throat> all blinking. Negative. And uh, what happens in the fourth quarter of uh, 2019? The COVID virus appears. And so I'm not a conspiracy theorist, uh, but I don't believe in coincidences like that either. Xi Jinping is under enormous pressure. They promised to feed the Chinese and take care of the people, and their economy is showing huge problems. And if you want to know what the problems are, you can go Google a thing called the impossible trinity in macroeconomics. It's the offshoot of the Mundell-Fleming model. And if you're serious about wanting to know what's going on in China, go research that thing, and you'll see they're falling apart on capital inflows. To the point, and the evidence there is they're willing to give up Hong Kong as their world trading hub and their dollar hub uh, because they know uh, their, their attempt to go toward a service economy and a consumer economy has failed. And they cannot repeat the public sector investment, right? You can build one airport, and it has a high rate of return. But by the time you get to the third airport in the same city, the rate of return is low. So China is tanking right now. Their growth used to be 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Now it's sub-5. Uh, and I'm talking about the rebound, right? Not this year when they're in a pandemic. And uh, they've lost credibility, and Xi Jinping is fighting for his life. So what do you do? Uh, you go to war with external enemies all over the place, and that's what he's doing. 
Dr. David Brad, it's always a great pleasure to have you on America's Roundtable and our listeners across America and specifically in Michigan and the Midwest. Uh, they truly appreciate your concise and insightful comments and uh, and we truly appreciate you being on America's Roundtable. Yes, we truly appreciate having you with hey, us. Thank- yeah. Thank you very much. I just want to say hey to my Michiganders. I was born in Detroit and grew up in Elma and went to college in, in Holland, Michigan with the Hope College Flying Dutch. <laughs> and so hello to Michigan, and uh, I got friends all across the country as well. So God bless everybody, and uh, thanks, Joel and Natasha, for all you do. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Dave. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. I'm Joel Anansami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. For the radio interviews, visit America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts or YouTube channel at International Leaders Summit. Our website is iLeadersSummit.org. Follow us on Twitter, iLeadersSummit, Facebook, International Leaders Summit. Join us next week at the same time on the Pledge Radio Lancer Broadcasting.